The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Father God, I pray now as you jump into the scripture that you would speak to us, God, as you would show us what you have in store for us today, that you would speak through Randall mightily, God, that we would know that you are speaking to us, God, not uh, just Randall, Lord, that we would know that um, you use everyone in his mighty way and you get to use us here and now um, to speak into one another um, as well. Uh, so we do want you to bless this day. God, we thank you for those people who um, have given birth to us and those people who have, uh, in the process of having children now, God, we thank you that these mothers are, um, yeah, just here, and they're, they're such hard workers, God. Um, we know that even you needed a mother to come into this world, God, and uh, Jesus, we know that you loved her, and we know that um, you love our mothers as well. So we thank you for that. Uh, just God, just be in this moment and be uh, with us now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ricardo. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, if I haven't met you, my name is Randall. I'm the pastor of Grace City. And um, this morning, just uh, I want to say thank you to the mothers. Uh, first off, um, you know, I think many times about the mothers that have been in my life. I think of uh, my grandmothers often. I think of uh, the impact that they made on me. I think of uh, my own mother and just uh, the love and sacrifice that she's made uh, for me. And I think of uh, my wife, uh, about to be married about 17 years now. And um, just to see her as, um, as a mother, it impacts me every day. And so I just want to say again, thank you to the mothers out there. And, you know, the thing about the the Bible is that the Bible honors women. It honors mothers. And so uh, today we're going to be studying a woman in Scripture that Jesus uses in this parable here that I think exemplifies um, the heart of God. Uh, So we've been in this series called Lost and Found, and we are studying uh, Luke 15. And in this text in particular, we're looking at Luke 15, verses 8 through 10, uh, which I think, again, fits perfectly into this Mother's Day. And the message is the lost coin, the lost coin. As we start, where do you find your worth, your value? In Victor Hugo's classic novel, Les Miserables, Uh, which means the miserable ones, the outcasts, the wretched poor, the victims. He depicts an ex-convict named Jean Valjean who lives in a pre-revolutionary France. Uh, He's just been released from prison. He wanders the streets because no one will take him in. And finally, he ends up on the doorstep of an old bishop who finds him there and invites him into his home. This bishop's name is Bishop Muriel. And here's what he says. He says to Jean Valjean, Come in, sir, for you are weary. And the night is cold out there. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you. 
There is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning, rest from pain and rest from wrong. In the middle of the night, when the house was quiet, Valjean steals the bishop's silver and runs away. The next day, he's brought back by two constables. And Valjean tells the constables that the bishop gave him the silver as a gift. And here's what the bishop says next to the constables who are ready to take Valjean back to prison. Bishop Muriel says, that is right. But my friend, you left so early, surely something slipped your mind. The bishop goes to the table and he takes the two candlesticks that he has on the table and he says, you forgot, I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? So my source, you may release him. For this man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty and God's blessing go with you. And then the bishop comes close to the ex-criminal. And he says to him, but remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood. God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. See, this is a powerful visual for us today of grace. And as we've been studying Luke 15, this visual of grace is repeated again and again. See, it's a strong reminder of the loss being found. And at this point, Jean Valjean had no value to the world. He'd been kicked to the curb. He'd been told he was worthless. He was beaten down. He was an outcast. He was the the miserable one. But it was through an act of sheer grace that his worth was restored. That Valjean didn't just find that he was valuable to this bishop, that He was also valuable to God. He was valuable to God. See, as we've studied Luke 15, it's this riveting message that's linked by three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. And what we need is this whole picture to really understand of what Jesus is trying to drive home as he's giving us these parables, these lessons, these messages. And so again, today we'll be looking at the lost coin and why this is so important. So our text is Luke 15, 8 through 10. And uh, one pastor, Keith Troop, said, the parable of the lost coin is often forgotten. He says, it seems to me because it occurs between two more popular parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost sons. But this parable plays an important role in the trilogy because it reinforces the essential point made in the first parable, and it prepares us for the third one. So over the next two weeks, we're going to look at the third one, but today we're going to look at why this one is so important. So what makes this text so unique? Well, I believe that it encourages us to ask this question, the same question that we asked at the beginning. Where do I find my worth? 
Because it's in this question that we can start to see ourselves in today's parable. So from the text, Jesus lays out for us three important aspects of the parable that we're going to study today, but it will help us to answer the question that we just asked about worth. And so the first point is the value. The second point is the search. And the third is the appraisal. The value, the search, the appraisal. And so the first one is the value. Look at verse 8. The first part of verse 8, it says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. And so first we see that Jesus is making a link here between the parable he just told before and this parable that we're reading now. It's that little word, or. What's happened before this? Well, we've looked at this, but Jesus was criticized because of his association with the outcasts, the miserable ones, the, the ones who are looked down on society. Again, we looked at Luke 5, 27 through 32, and Jesus being criticized for eating with tax collectors and sinners. In Luke 7, 39, he's also accused. And later in Luke 19, verse 7, he's accused again. And here, Jesus is giving us this parable again about the truth about God's heart. See, what can happen is we can start to confuse God with what happens around us in everyday life. That people are looked down on, that people are outcasts, and we can start to believe that those people are lesser or we're even lesser. But Jesus is driving this point home that there's much more worth than what we see. And so first, let's ask, who is this woman? Well, Luke is careful in his book to uh, balance parables and stories between men and women being represented. And so... Who is this woman here that he gives this representation to? And why is this so important? Well, Pastor Charles Spurgeon believed that the woman represents the Holy Spirit of God. That she represents the Holy Spirit of God. You see, from creation, we see different qualities within men and within women that are valued by God because we are made in the image of God. And so what we see here is that the qualities that we see here in this woman here represent the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe that this assessment makes sense because in the first parable, we see the shepherd who searches and we see that Jesus described himself as who? The good shepherd. Later, we see that there's a father that's represented in the prodigal son story. So if the woman represents the Holy Spirit, we see the father, son, and Holy Spirit working together to seek and save the lost. What a beautiful picture, right? J.I. Packer says this. He says, God is triune. There are within the Godhead three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the work of salvation is one in which all three aspects act together. The Father purposing redemption, the Son securing it, and the Spirit applying it. So who is this woman? Well, what we see is that the woman is God, but represented here Specifically, it may be the Holy Spirit. Second, we see the coin. Now, who is this coin? Well, much like the sheep earlier in Luke 15, the coin is humanity, you and me, in its natural spiritual state. See, what are some of the things about the coin that we can learn? Well, the first thing that we learn about the coin is that it's lost. 
But here's the interesting part about a coin. The coin doesn't know that it's lost, but it's lost. And I think that represents me and you. Many times we don't see that we're lost, but there's one who knows that we are. See, the coin in this lost state has lost its value. It's lost its purpose. It only has value when it's in the hands of the woman. And so at this point, it's worthless. See, 2 Kings uh, 17 verse 5 tells us about Israel and how Israel had turned away from God. And, and look at the description here that God gives to Israel as it's turned to other things. He says this, he says, they rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Worthless. You see, in this spiritual state, apart from God, running from God, it says that within ourselves we become worthless. Now you may say, hold on. How is this coin me? I'm not lost. I know my value. I know my worth. Do you? See, if we're honest, all of us are on this perpetual roller coaster ride of feeling like certain moments I add value to the world. And then there's days where I feel like I don't. There's a cosmic emptiness in all of us where we, we are asking the question Am I really valuable? Do I have any worth? See, do you see that gaping hole within our hearts about? that need for value and the lostness that's in there? See, some days we feel great because certain people accept us and tell us how valuable we are. But the next day we're so down because we feel like we've been snubbed. What is that roller coaster ride that you and I are on? We were made for value. We were given in value, value inherently. But is that your value? The roller coaster ride? Is that your value? Well, next we see the search. Look at the second part of verse 8. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. First, Jesus says, Doesn't she light a lamp? Now, this would have been necessary and very common in ancient times because the home was a very dark place. Very little sunlight was able to get through because uh, windows were slits in the wall at best. This darkness reminds us of the darkness that surrounds us, the darkness in our world. John 1.5 says this, talking about Jesus, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. As Jesus is coming into the world, he's saying he's piercing the darkness with light. There's a darkness in the world, but next, who's searching? It's not just anyone who's searching for this coin, but it's the owner of the coin who is searching 
See, the search here is not outsourced to anyone else, but the search is taking on by the owner. And scripture tells us that every human being has dignity and worth. Why? Is that just a nice idea that we believe? No, it says that you and I in Genesis chapter one were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. It's so that when you connect eye to eye with another human being, they're not just somebody that's there in front of you, but they have inherent worth and value because God has said, I made you. See, with this coin that was lost, there was value in the eyes of the owner. So much so that this coin was worth the owner seeking. And how did they do that? Well, carefully, carefully. This word also could be translated diligently or intently, right? And so when we think about the intensity of this woman who's searching for this coin, for me, I think about the intensity that I see in my wife. I remember we were out to lunch with some friends. My daughter uh, was playing on one of the play structures and had slipped and fallen. We're all eating lunch and she comes running over in tears holding her arm. The first thing that pops into my mind is she's just had a little accident. She's fine. Rub some dirt on it. Run along. Go play. You'll be okay. Just, you know, like, just rub it a little bit and all that stuff. And my wife's like, has this in instinct. That's in her. It's like this thing. That she just cannot get out of her head. Where For me, I've just kind of moved on. I'm like, yeah, it should be okay. And she just keeps thinking about it, thinking about it. And she's like, I don't think she's okay. What are you talking about? She's fine. She can kind of move it, you know, and she's, she's good. Like, just, it'll wear off. It's just a little stinger. She's like, no. It's, no I, don't, I just don't feel right about it. It's like, fine, you know, like, okay, what's going on? Okay, well, we'll just, you know. She's like, I'm taking her to the ER right now. I'm like, it's a little extreme. Like, come on, you know, it's late. Like, she's like, no, I'm doing it right now. She takes our daughter to the ER and she has a broken arm. Now, it, it, with my dad instincts, she would be hanging out like, kind of turning purple. Like it's just like it's just not. Hey, just get out. You know, it's gonna it'll be all right. Just shake it off a little bit. Mom instincts like, nope. I'm not gonna let this go. It's gonna be in my mind. It's gonna stick there. That, that's just what she's gonna do. And, I, and so when I want you to like see this woman here just searching, to, it's like it will not leave her mind. She's diligent. She's not giving up. Genesis 3, 6 through 9. After Adam and Eve sinned, we see the first sin. And what do we see next? We see that God is walking, searching for Adam and Eve. He's looking for them. He's initiating. We see that this woman is so diligent. Light a lamp, sweeping, searching. To what? Until she finds it. 
until she finds it. God doesn't give up. What's the point? When Jesus here is contrasting God's search with the Pharisee's search. Remember what was happening earlier in, in uh, Luke 15? Talks about it. It says that the, the scribes, the, the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they were, they were all out there watching Jesus hanging out with the, the outcasts. And, and what it says here in, in, in verse 2, it says, this man receives sinners and, and eats with them. But they said they were grumbling about it. They were grumbling about it. While they're grumbling, God is searching. Leon Morris gives an interesting insight. He's a commentator on this. He says, among the rabbinic writings, there is a lot of lost coin motif, but it is used very differently. If a man keeps seeking for a coin, much more should he seek for the law, said the rabbi. There is no rabbinic equivalent to God's seeking of sinners. There's no equivalent And so when we're talking about how God acts in the way that we act, God is much different than we are. God doesn't give up. He continues to search. The third point is the appraisal. Look at verses 9 through 10. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. First, look at, look at verse 9. It says, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Let's think for a moment on the worth of the coin. All Jesus says earlier about the coin is that it's a silver coin. Now, many speculate that uh, it's a denarius, which was a day's wage, and that's, that's a lot. But Jesus doesn't specifically say that. He doesn't say that it's a denarius. He doesn't tell us the worth. But he shows us the worth by the response. By the response. Some might look at this and say, that seems like a little bit of an extreme response here. You found a coin, you're calling your friends. <laughs> you know, like, well, what's going on here? Are you okay? You know, I just, hey, I had a coin I could have gave you. Like, but but the, the response seems over the top to us, but so appropriate to God. So appropriate to God. See, it's a coin that was invaluable to her in a way that might not have made sense to anyone else. Why? Because when God thinks about you, when God thinks about me, there is a specific worth and value in you that you don't even see within yourself. And the response that God sees in you and and relates to you is so much greater than you even relate to yourself. See, this is something valuable. A family heirloom, something that was passed down from generation to generation. See, my wife lost her 
mother in a tragic accident when she was five. So her mother wasn't a part of her life. And my wife has her mom's jewelry. She has it. We treasure it. See, these pieces of jewelry are precious beyond value. They are precious beyond value because of the significance that it has. See, to any other person, they could look at it and just say that's a piece of jewelry and here's how much it, it's worth. Here's the appraisal on this. This is a gold piece, whatever it might be. But no, for us, it is invaluable because that was her mother's jewelry. And I want you to know that when God looks at you, he says, yeah, that might be the appraisal that the world gives you. But when I look at you, I value you beyond measure. Because you are my child. Do you see that? There's a celebration. This is the picture of the coin here. And then in verse 10, Jesus pulls back the curtain on heaven again and says, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We've talked about this last week. What are we repenting of? What is sin? Sin is self-reliance. Sin is running and saying, I'm in charge of my own life. It's all about me. Sin is all about the middle letter, I. I. I'm in charge. I, I know what's best. Remember, the lost sheep, where was, where was it? It was running in the other direction, rebelling. How can we rebel? We can rebel with our bad works and our good works and say, I don't need God. But to truly trust that Jesus' work is enough for us is the gospel message. Jesus says, when you repent of saying, I can do it on my own, and saying, I will hold on to God, I will hold on to Jesus. He's the one that makes me sufficient. He's the one that gives me value. He's the one that gives me worth. He says, that's where your worth is restored. And heaven celebrates. See, there's a progression here. It goes from, there's this general, uh, like, in the lost sheep uh, parable, heaven, heaven rejoices, to more specific, angels in verse 10. Angelic beings are celebrating the lost being found. And what does this expose? First, it's exposing the joy. The joy. You see, Mother's Day can be a very difficult day for us for different reasons. Right? Maybe an absent mother. Maybe a mother that has gone on and we didn't have in our life. There's a lot of different reasons that today could be difficult. I remember the day, it was Mother's Day 2009. Me and my wife, we were trying to have kids and we were struggling. And it wasn't happening. And I remember in Mother's Day 2009 when my wife came up to me and she told me, I'm pregnant. In a day that meant 
a lot of hurt and pain for her because of what happened to her mother became a day of redemption, a day that brought joy. There was a joy. And I was just looking at pictures of my son this week along with my wife and just thinking it was a gift of grace. That's it. See, friends, God cares about human life from womb to tomb. You understand that? Like when we think about the way that God values human life and the value of you and me, friends, I'm gonna say this, our political positions don't fit into this. They don't. They don't. This is off the grid, friends. This is a God who cares and values life more than we understand. And the joy of this, that's, that there's a celebration in heaven. But you know also what it exposes? Secondly, it exposes the hearts of the Pharisees. It exposed the hearts of the Pharisees. William Barclay observed, the Pharisees had a quote, uh, a quite different uh, saying that what Jesus is teaching here, than what Jesus is teaching here, they, they were known to have said, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. That's what the Pharisees would say. And Jesus is saying, no. Jesus tells us the appraisal of the human life that goes from darkness to light, that goes from outcast to family, daughter or son of the king. You know, I was sitting this week with some pastors and one of the exercises we were given to do was to, to think on and make this like grid. It was almost like, you know, the uh, tic-tac-toe grid. And they said, right in there, nine different names of people that you know that don't know Jesus and pray for them. Nine different people. He said, because this is just nine, but those nine people are very valuable to God. And it was a challenging exercise because I thought to myself, like, I don't know how often I think about my friends that I know that don't know Jesus knowing God. And I need to think about that more. Not that I can save them because ultimately we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who's sweeping around looking. But to be ready and available for that moment to share with them about who God is. So some takeaways. How can we apply this to our hearts? First one is this. Examine the source of your worth. The world tells us that your worth is inside you. You need to go inside and you need to look and say, this is why I'm valuable. This is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. Whatever you're holding on to, you're like, okay, it's inside of you. But what Jesus is saying is that your worth is not inside of you, but it's, it's outside of you. That there's a voice that's speaking into your life that's outside of you that's saying you're valuable to me. Remember, where did the value come for the coin? It came in the hands of the owner. 
That's where the value was, was possessed. That's where the value was understood. And so you and I will be wandering and confused if we are stuck looking within ourselves. We might feel good for a little while because we're eating clean, we're exercising enough, we've accomplished all the things on our to-do list for today, and you know what, I just, I just feel good today. But what about the days when you don't? When you don't. There's this quote by A.W. Tozer. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I've quoted that before. I'm like, yeah, I think there's some truth in that. I think there is some truth in that. But, but I, I was talking to a friend this week, and he pushed back on it a little bit. And here's what he says. He said, no. What comes to your mind is not the most important thing. He says, but what comes to God's mind about you is the most important thing about you. What comes to God's mind when he thinks about you? Because this should be a mind-blowing concept. That God has thoughts about you. That God has thoughts about me. He thinks about us. Hold on, hold on. I thought he's holding the whole universe together. He is. And he's still thinking about you. And he's still thinking about me. An omniscient God who knows all things is thinking about us. And that's why David just was stunned in the Psalms when he says that, that you would care for me, that you would think about me looking upon your creation, looking at all that there is, the stars in the sky, that you would think about me. Astounding. God has thoughts about you, and God has thoughts about me, and that's the place we're gonna find the source of our worth. Second is, evaluate the cost of your worth. Evaluate the cost of your worth. You know, for some of us, what we think is that the cost of our worth is what I can do. If I can do it today, then that gives me some level of worth. I was watching a show with my wife yesterday. I was more like listening in, not as much tuning in, you know. Um, but uh, one of the characters stuck out to me because her job was she was an editor. She would read things and edit things. And there was this a scene in the show where a trusted friend comes in the room and she was trying to read something. She looked at her in tears and she says, I'm going blind. I'm going blind. She says, what, what, do I, what value do I have if I can't read, because this is all I do. She says, I gave everything for my work. This is what I do, and I can't see. Where is my worth? Where is my value if I can't see? And I want you to think about that because there's a lesson in there that if there's something that we are putting our value in right now and we think, if that were gone tomorrow, am I still valuable? Because, friends, it's going to happen to us all. It will. I saw when my grandmother got dementia and she was the sharpest, most brilliant woman. She was on it. And I remember when she got dementia and she, she, it just started to fade and fade and fade. Friends, if our value is in that, we are able to lose it. 
But do you know that there's something of value that you can't lose, that there was a cost that God paid for you that said, here's why you're valuable. Here's why you are so valuable. I'll show you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was living in Nazi Germany, and he's seeing human life just being obliterated and taken as not human, but lesser than human. He lived in that world. And that got him thinking about costly grace. He said this, he says, it is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it caused God the life of his son. You were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for, uh, cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Costly grace is that God came for you and me. And he says, you were so valuable that I would do that. See, when we don't see that, we don't see the cost. Because many times what we think internally is my value is based on what costs me something. What's this gonna cost me? How am I gonna earn this today? And Jesus is saying, it's already been bought, friend. Your worth is secure in the shed blood of Jesus. That can't be taken away. And so, as we wrap up here today, Luke 15, one through two, says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Romans 5, 8 says this. This is what's inside of Jesus. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we cleaned our lives up. It wasn't the cost of what we could do to earn our way to God. It wasn't any of those things. But the gospel, friends, is looking at the cost of what it cost God. He was sweeping, searching, looking for you, and rejoicing because of the value that you have to him. Let that be good news to your hearts today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you didn't give up, that you continued to search. There's moments where we give up. We give up on you. We give up on ourselves. We give up on those around us. But you're a God that continually pursues because your character is that you're faithful. You are faithful to the very end. And you value us, Lord, far more than any of us could even value ourselves. For those of us who are beating ourselves up on a daily basis, for things that we've done, that's, things that we've said, or things that have been done and said against us. Lord, I pray that the gospel will free us today.
that the message of Jesus will free us and that we'll be able to see that we are clearly loved and that nothing can come against that when we put our faith in Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.